0: So we knew it was worthwhile to um, do this in Swift, and I just like downloaded Xcode, opened the application, had no idea what to do. Still, like Cordova gave us the opportunity to get started. I mean, we did build our first two apps with it and got featured by Apple, and sort of it it did like meaningful revenue. And I'm, as like a front-end dev- developer, grateful it exists, but it, I think at some point you're gonna hit that mark where you have to go in on the, on the native side. I'm Mark Hendricks, co-founder of Mild Ventures.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noel Lappart. And today, how Mark Hendricks built a way to bring the visual and audio beauty of nature into the palm of your hand. All this and more on Coat Story. Mark Hendricks has been a product designer for 11 years. His family and he love to travel and see the world and visit national parks. He currently lives in Spain with his wife and son off the grid. And by off the grid, I mean a house on 20 acres with its own solar power system and own rainwater collection system. But don't worry, he made sure he checked the LGE network speed before buying the property. Five years ago, he started a side project building a weather app that combined up-to-date weather with his wife's beautiful landscape illustrations. Shortly after, Apple started promoting their apps, and their business started to take off. Today, they have ventured into nature-based mindful apps through their company known as
0: Wild Ventures. It did not start as a serious business with clear goals. It started as a side project, I did a simple weather app about six years ago and it was fun and didn't do particularly well but it's a sort of nice learning experience. And then I saw my wife who is an illustrator and we have never worked together up to this point. I mean that's not a given that you work well with your spouse. But in our case I saw her do some illustrations of a nature landscape and I thought that would be really cool to use for a wild, in this case wild weather. Uh, like a weather application to do like little animated landscapes and show the weather with snow and rainfall and we decided to make a simple app but we didn't want to spend too much time on it because we had no idea what the how it would sort of work out and how we would work together so I think we spent about two months on it and this is late 2015 and that was it was fun to work together It was fun to make and then we released it in December I believe and it got picked up pretty well. I placed it on Product Hunt or someone hunted me on Product Hunt, I can't remember exactly, but that got some initial feedback and then quickly after that, Apple started promoting the app, which was really uh, amazing, especially if you start out. So we got some traction there and this is not like huge numbers, but interesting enough to keep going. So about a year later, we ventured more into the mindfulness apps or nature-inspired mindfulness apps, and then we did Wildfulness 1, and that took off even more. And then we knew, like, okay, this is a potentially serious business, and we should treat this touch, so we set up Wild Ventures as a company, and I guess we spent about 50% of our time on the applications, and then we built, like, Wildness 2 and its Island, and Things grew year over year, and and at this point, five years later, I'm full time with the app business, and my wife is pretty much full time with the app business. And we released Wild Journey last year, which is our biggest production so far, and that that's sort of our main focus now. It's a subscription-based app, so it's something we can grow with features and content, and that's that's really sort of the uh, the big app for us.
1: So let's let's dive in a bit to Wild Journey. Tell me about the MVP for Wild Journey. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools do you use to build it?
0: Wild Journey is our fifth app. So we had some experience already and we knew pretty early on it's gonna be a subscription-based app. So an MVP is sort of in a traditional sense harder to do because you have to, if you're gonna ask someone to spend $50 a year, It has to be more than three landscapes (laughs) so it had to be like we had to create like a lot of content and the first version had to be good otherwise you would sort of lose the opportunity so we spent about a year working on the mvp if you will version one so that's a pretty long time and a lot of time was spent on the concept of the application to make sure it's something we could work on for many years to come and the way we Did the the design for it also allowed for easy expansion of new features and content uh, throughout the year. So it's really like a multi-year commitment for us. So we're now close to a year of the application and at this point I'm, I'm overall happy with the app. Like version one was good enough and the ratings are close to five stars so that's great. But we knew we had to add some more content and features to really take it off and I went full time on the app last November, and since then our metrics have improved like a lot. You could really tell when we started to focus more, in this case full time, like retention rates, the ratings, the subscribers, everything sort of grew. And now things have grown like a lot faster in the last three months.
1: So, did you build the the app using
0: native Swift? When we first started doing applications, I used Cordova which is like an um, HTML wrapper, if you will. Because my I, I'm a designer, so my programming experience is limited and I knew some front-end development, so that's where I started. And then it just wasn't good enough. Like, it was nice, but I knew I had to learn Swift in order to get it to the next level, so that's what I did. And, and at this point, I'm a okay enough programmer. <laughs> so we use Swift uh, entirely.
1: So Cordova on the first version, I'm going to dig into that in a minute. But um, what about backend-wise? Are, are do you is everything inside the app um, all clips and everything, or is it
0: optimized to be streamed from the cloud? How, how does that work? This is before Wild so we had the opportunity to demo Wild Weather in retail stores with Apple, which is very cool. But as a consequence, I learned that if you put a, a weather app on so many phones and they request weather data, data which is not free, you can run a huge bill. So that was less fun. Uh, and then we we knew that like especially with a with our Wild Journey app, it's like two gigabytes of content and. You have to realize like uh, conversion rates are pretty low for consumer subscription apps. In our case, it's like for the subscription below one percent. So you got like many people downloading the app and trying meditations and nature sounds. And that would mean a huge bill, I think, if we use something like Amazon S3. We made sure to use all the infrastructure provided by Apple. So we don't have any servers running like none whatsoever. All data is free, all is within the Apple ecosystem, so we use on-demand resources. It has its limitations, but it works well enough, and because it's fully integrated with Apple, it works really well when using Swift and Xcode. And that's something we knew was gonna be important because we're like a small, we're only two persons, so we wanna have good margins.
1: Sure, that that makes sense. So dive into that a little more. So you're using on-demand resources from Apple. Tell me about how you got that set up.
0: It's a very simple system it allows you, you have assets within the application and you can use, give them tags. So for instance, you can experience, the experience is called sleep and you give all the assets needed for that particular meditation sleep. And then that's a very simple, so almost like one dimension way of sorting all your content. And this then gets bundled and uploaded to the Apple servers every time you do a new release. And it's a very simple system, so you can just retrieve the needed content on a tech basis, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it sure does. That, that's amazing. That's a great idea that you don't have to worry about a backend,
0: right? Exactly, yeah. i like the, the idea is like, if you want to take a holiday for a week, things should be running, like no no downtime, no service, and especially being uh, more like my wife's an illustrator. I'm a designer, like the more tech stuff you add, the, difficult, the more difficult it becomes. So we wanna keep it as simple as possible. Uh, and it, it it's worked, so far it's working really well and uh, things might change in the future, but so far it's, uh, it's, it's working.
1: Let's dive into the Cordova version. So that first version you built using Cordova, I get why you went that route, your product designer, you new web development, that was a, an easy fit for you to jump in quickly. What sort of trade-offs did you have to make, though, with the corridor of a version? Um, and dive into those a little more explicitly.
0: The main trade-offs are that you are, I guess, dependent or restricted on the plugins available. So they usually run behind a little. So if Apple brings out something new with Siri, for instance, there's no support for it unless someone is kind enough to do a plugin. Like in our case, we use uh, a lot of audio in the app and that runs on the background if you set a timer and that aspect of the app was really hard to do in Cordova. I could not figure out how to keep the app active in the background and handle the audio streams, and let alone doing things from the lock screen where you can use airplay or pause the audio. So basically, (laughs) if you close the app, then the timer stopped as well which, yeah, it's just simply not gonna work. So we ran ran into limitations there, and then just performance-wise, it's okay, but not good enough. You sort of feel the small delays when you're interacting with the application, which I just couldn't get good enough. So we decided to go with Swift.
1: That makes sense, you know, I mean, but it makes sense why you went that route too. It was probably a trade-off where this is something I know, so I can build an MVP quickly. But I know in the long term that's gonna be some technical debt that I'm gonna to have to readdress or uh, address
0: yeah and 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 still like Cordova gave us the opportunity to get started like me we did build our first two apps with it and got featured by Apple and sort of it it did like meaningful revenue so it is possible to do things with cordova and I'm as like a front-end dev- developer grateful it exists but at, I think at some point you're gonna hit that mark where You have to go in on the on the native side,
1: right? That's a perfect segue. So tell me about that transition. How did you progress the product and mature it from Cordova into a native experience?
0: So, Wilderness One was made in Cordova, and I just I didn't want to rewrite the whole application to get back to the same point. That's very demotivating. But we knew we wanted to do Wilderness Two, so that was a very similar app. Mostly about new content, but with the same sort of technical features. So we knew it was worthwhile to uh, do this in Swift. And I just like downloaded Xcode, opened the application, had no idea what to do. Bought an online course <laughs> to write Swift and use Xcode. And very frustrating, three, four months, I guess. And then we got to like a first version where we, in a way, rewrote and rewritten the whole Wealthless 1 code. And made it ready for uh, Friends 2 as well. So, and then we, like, we, I quickly realized audio was working like way better out of the box. There were so many advantages, even though the learning curve was pretty steep. I knew it would be worth the, uh, worth the investment.
1: Three or four months is pretty impressive to go from Cordova to a native platform, especially I have some experience with AB Foundation, and that is not an easy library to conquer. So, uh, kudos on that. Thank you.
0: I know it, it, I that this live program is going to roll their eyes, but to me it felt kind of like JavaScript, like it looked familiar. I know it's not the same, but that sort of made it easier to get into Swift. I, I saw Objective-C and already knew that wasn't going to be it. Like it was just way too complicated. But Swift, Swift makes it sound uh, easier if you sort of first see the code examples.
1: Tell me about your roadmap. How do you and your wife build your roadmap and figure out what's the next most important thing to build in the experience?
0: Uh, this is a continuous process, really. With Wild Journey, we do an update every two weeks. And this gives you a uh, the advantage of like a sort of a rhythm of shipping updates. And you know that if you plan certain features and maybe you don't make it in this particular version, but you know it's going to be a new update in two weeks from now. So it's fine, you know you have this sort of this flow of releases. Uh, And what we do is we write up a bunch of features. Some are small, which you can do within the two weeks. Others are like a lot longer. That may take two or three months. So we divide these up. I think we plan ahead about six weeks from now, like really specifically. And then we just sort of fill the the slots of those two-week intervals with always like new content, either a landscape and experience and then smaller stuff for um, that might be more on the technical side and then the other thing we do is uh, interview customers if we get the chance so sometimes someone just sends us an email like hey thank you for making the app i really enjoy it i use it to fall asleep and not even like a support thing so we then use the opportunity because people are more willing to give feedback to ask them like hey how's your sleep routine which landscapes do you use to fall, sleep, are these, for instance, the night landscapes or maybe like rainfall. So then we get like an, a better idea how to how people use these apps without going into like feature requests. And then we use the sort of this feedback and um, sort of plan these new features on a two-week basis.
1: Do I understand correctly that the team is, is just you and your wife right now?
0: Yeah. We do hire the uh, uh, voice actors for the guided meditations. We figured being non-native English speakers, it's going to be distracting. <laughs> 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 so we we already do like all the artwork and the programming, like you have to outsource a few things you're not going to be good at. So we do that, but everything else is is us, yeah.
1: So let's talk about scalability a little bit. And you touched on it with the on-demand resources, um, but how how did you grow this thing as far as scalability? And how are you looking
0: to the future to make sure that it's scalable? Yeah, it's it's sticking with the Apple ecosystem. So we, for instance, had a Android for Android version of Wild Weather. It didn't do particularly well, but we also realized doing two platforms really well is not going to work and the same for like doing a full uh, web version, which would be more difficult, but just like we have to keep the constraints on realizing that you're just a two person team and we already have five apps, which is borderline <laughs> too much uh, at times, especially around large iOS releases where you may have to update all of them. So we sort of keep this in mind. and we focus on the design aspect of the application because that's where we are good at so we try to limit the amount of technical features that go into the application like one of the things on the list is offline downloads which would be good to have but i we don't make it a big priority for us i think we're better off doing design inspired features as opposed to technical
1: that makes sense especially you know given the the attention you've gotten from Apple, it's usually centered around amazing design and experience. And so it seems like that's really driven a lot of your success too.
0: Right, yeah. It's also a personal motivation. Last year I was doing a lot of technical work, like almost doing like full-time programming for the app and I got like completely demotivated. It was just like the balance was off. And this then goes back to like not being a programmer by trade, if you will. So things take just a lot longer, I guess, than for a, uh, for, for programmers. So you want to mix these things up for us. And then if you go back to the, the roadmap and the release cycle of every two weeks, we usually have like one big technical update every month. And the other two, other one is always content only. So that way we sort of keep this balance and keep our sanity.
1: So as you step out on the balcony and look across all that you've built um, with Wild Ventures and all the apps you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: That we've built something we personally enjoy doing. I think that's a major thing, especially if you're spending all your time on it and control the company like we do. You just have to have sort of fun and purpose there. And the other side is that we learned that the apps have a positive impact on people's lives, which sounds maybe a bit dramatic, but knowing that people sleep better after trying other stuff is really great to hear and inspiring.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you responded to
0: it. I think the biggest mistake was last summer when iOS 13 came out. So we have five apps in total and four of them are these, are mindfulness, where we share lots of the same functionality and code. So we were testing things for iOS 13 for the summer and things were like working well, it's no big issues there. And then iOS 13.0 got released, but quickly after 13.1, like I think only one or two weeks after, and I did not test for 13.1, because I wasn't expecting any, any like major changes, uh, given that the whole summer was fine. And it turned out all the meditation apps broke at the same time, where if you launch the application, it would crash as soon as you went to a landscape because there was a problem with the audio. So we got so many one star reviews and angry emails. And yeah, that was a big lesson for us to always test uh, major releases for iOS. And Now, in my defense, iOS 13 was pretty rough when it came out over the summer, but that's something I will not repeat again, uh, especially early on in the release cycle of a new iOS update. Yes, yeah, so it was a very hectic week updating all the applications, and it turned out to be like a small issue, but whatever. Like it's just, it was <laughs> it was frustrating, and then you have to get back to all these people like I'm sorry, it broke down, and but we got quick, fixed pretty quickly, and luckily most people did update their uh, review into like a more four or five star uh, rating
1: so what does the future look like for your products and for your team do you have you know android in mind in the future a web version anything like that um what 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 does the future look like
0: for now we just want to continue what we're doing uh, and keep sort of Uh, ourselves restricted to the iOS version we have released like more features around design and we're working for example on a new briefing exercise which is not in the app itself yet so it's all the all our focus is now on Wild journey and that's something we want to work on for the foreseeable future as for the team given it's just my wife and I that probably won't change and we will hire the occasional contractor now and then It also depends on how well the apps do. Like it would be a great reason that if we have to hire someone for support because you get so many support emails because the app is growing. Like that would be a, I would be very happy with that. That's a good problem to have. But other than that, we will be uh, working just with the two of us for for now.
1: Who influences the way that you work? CEO, CTO, really anyone? Who influences the way you work? Name a person that
0: you look up to and why. I don't think I have like a specific person. There, there are probably a few ones that inspire me because of what they do, which might not, might not be apps or or design, but someone like Seth Godin who's been writing so consistently for such a long time, which I think is also an excellent public uh, public speaker. That's someone that someone inspires me. You had uh, Cortland Allen from Indie Hackers on the show, I believe, and. For me, that's a very, uh, very great resource and website to have, because I live remote in Spain, having that online and following other indie hackers on their path to success is is really uh, great to have and I really think he's done an excellent job of that. So
1: if you could go back to the beginning, um, either the first app or the first part of Wild Journey, you decide. Uh, But if you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently or what would you consider taking a different approach
0: on? This has two sides. On one hand, having five applications gives you more ways for people to discover the apps or get uh, promoted in the press or by Apple. On the other side, I would say it's a little much. Like In an ideal scenario, I would only want to work on Wild Journey, not that. Because we like the, don't like the other apps, but it will give you more focus and time to progress on the application. But on the other hand, we wouldn't be building Wild Journey if we hadn't built the other apps. It's like a learning experience. But I, I would would like have to end up with like slightly less apps, maybe three instead of five. I think that will be the thing I would like to change.
1: That makes sense. Kind of keeping the the technical overhead balanced that you have to maintain five apps instead of
0: you know a handful exactly yeah and like this is something that might change in the future we don't have any plans now but we will see where how that goes
1: last question mark you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing call it your industry you know um Uh, the next mindfulness app or you know something maybe another industry that you admire and follow they've built the next big thing they're young they're excited they're ready to jump out and get going what advice do you give that person having gone down this road for several years now
0: the first thing will be keep going and make sure you understand what makes you unique and the product you're building i think if if you understand what the strong points are It's easier and and, and better to to continue in the future building a product. Because it's going to take a lot longer than you would like and would think. I think that's almost always the case, like an overnight success 10 years in the making. (laughs) So that's something you have to like really, I wouldn't say love what you do, but you need to have sort of this uh, self-motivating way of building products.
1: Well, Mark, thank you for being on Code Story. Thank you for telling the creation story of Wild Ventures and Wild Journey. Thank you for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice support the show on patreon.com/codestory for just 5 to 10 bucks a month and when you get a chance leave us a review both things help us out tremendously and thanks again for listening